It has been a minute. Wow. I think I have a picture. Is there a picture? We got that picture. Throw that picture. Look at that. Goodness gracious. That was 1989. Uh, and a lot has changed. So here's our current clan. Uh, throw that next picture up there. So there we are. Uh, so if you'll notice... Uh, over here, the far, the far end over there is that little boy in that first picture. That's Ryan. And uh, him and his wife, Jenny, have three little ones. And they live in Greenville, South Carolina. And then the young lady next to Dawn is our daughter, Kristen. And uh, she has three little ones. We have six grandkids under five, which is why this beard gets whiter every day. It is. It is crazy town at my house these days. Uh, uh, so much has changed. And, we, and when, when I met Todd, I was like, Bowles Chapel. I love Bowles Chapel. I love the people of Bowles Chapel. And he said, would you love? I said, I would love to come speak and see my people at Bowles Chapel. Uh, so here we are. So much has changed and so much has stayed the same. And so I just want to walk through that with you this morning. Uh, we have been on quite a journey since we left. We left here in 92. And a lot of you that were here remember when I was here, I was also working for Apple uh, Computer, which was crazy. Uh, in fact, I remember a couple of times uh, when Nell and Diane and the choir and we'd have practice, choir practice, and then at least on two occasions, I left choir practice on Sunday night and drove to New Orleans, Louisiana. Like literally got in the car and said, hey, y'all pray for me. I'm going to drive on. And would end up in New Orleans the next morning for 8 o'clock meetings, and here we'd go with my day job. Well, part of that journey, uh, Apple paid for me to finish my degree at Middle Tennessee State. They said, hey, things are going great. Why don't we pay for your degree to finish it? And you can use Apple time to go to class. And I'm like, well, that's pretty awesome. Uh, and so I said, I'll do it. And little did I know then <clears throat> what God was up to. And I got on campus. And you know, I was that guy uh, in your class, who didn't belong? Like, okay, we're all 20, and he's like 35. Like, why are you here? Uh, he's like, hey, everybody. And it was funny. I just started loving college students. Loving sharing Jesus with college students. Loving hanging out with college students. But college students didn't want to hang out with me. Be like, ah. I had this one class right before lunch. And I'd say, hey, who wants to go to lunch? We're good. <laughs> but I always had this line. Do you know I work for Apple? Oh, let's go to lunch. Yeah, I works for Apple. But I, I, would, I would be able to have lunch with these students, talk a little bit about Apple, and then switch over to Jesus. And it was as if God was saying to me, this is what I made you for. This is what I've been preparing you. This is what Powell's Chapel's been doing. You just didn't know it. And so one day I literally walked across the street to Bel Air Baptist Church, who I knew 
um, because I'd played softball for Bel Air for many years. I ended up playing church softball for Bel Air Baptist Church for 18 consecutive years um, because it was an idol in my life. Um, but asked the pastor, I said, do you have a college ministry? He said, no, we don't. I said, do you want one? He goes, desperately. He said, but we don't, we don't have money for a staff person. I go, I work for Apple. I don't need your money. I said, God just has sent me here to help you reach college. And I said, I don't even understand it. I said, I'm currently at Powell's Chapel. I'm going to have to resign there. I'm going to hate it because I love those people. But this is where God has me. And we started with about 10 students in a Sunday school class. And a couple of years later, it was 300 and some students. And in the meantime, the music guy stepped down and they said, hey, can you take music for a few weeks? And I'm like, sure. Uh, which led from volunteer to part-time to one day in 1995. And I was having the year of my life at Apple. Everything I touched was turning to gold. And some of you know me well. And you're like, yeah, it wasn't because of you. Uh, it's right. I tell people, if you look at my life long, you'll go, God's grace has been good to you. Because, because you ain't that good. But everything I touched was working. My biggest account was FedEx, and they were buying Apple computers like candy. And I became a somebody who was always nobody. And then God did the craziest thing. He said, give it up. I, I said, what, what do you mean give it up? I, I want you to give up Apple for the mission of Christ. I remember telling Don. And Don, the spiritual leader of our family, not just kidding, but she looked at me and she said, no. Not, not going to do that. I'm like, huh? No, 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 no. Why would we do that? God's given us both. But, but I think that's what God wants us to do. Nope. <laughs> so we just started to pray. And I'll never forget one, one night, Dawn came in the bedroom, tears running down her face, and she said, we got to follow God. So in the fall of 1995, at a Cracker Barrel in Memphis, Tennessee, on Perkins Road, not that I remember it very well. It was my annual review. And my boss said, what a year. It has been crazy. He said, do you know you're in the top like 5% of salespeople of Apple? I go, didn't know that. Awesome. He said, here's a raise. I said, oh, I like raises. Here's 2,000 stock options. Now, if any of you are stock people, 
that stock at that time was priced at $7.25. 2,000 options. Based on the stock splits since that day, it would be 56,000 shares of ours. Haven't looked in a while because it's, it's occasionally a depressing moment. But last time I looked, it was it's worth about fourteen million. And he said, "How's that sound?" I'm like, "Awesome." He said, "Do you have any questions?" I said, "No, I just got a statement." I said, "I quit." He said, "I don't understand." I said, God's just leading me somewhere else. He goes, man, I've given, if you needed time off, I've given it to you. I go, I know. Ain't about that. Romans 12.1 is what it was about. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters. By the mercies of God. To present yourselves as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God. Because this is spiritual worship. I'd been a worship leader for a long time. But in that, that moment understood worship see many of us have been led to believe that worship is about singing songs or that worship is about coming to church and Romans 12 1 says no 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 worship is about giving your life as a living sacrifice if you're not doing that you're just singing a song But if you're doing that, that song becomes an echo of your heart. And so I have tried to live my life, our marriage, our family, just saying, God, it's just me. But whatever you say, the answer is yes. However you want to use us, the answer is yes. May not always like it, but the answer is yes. Because that is just my act of worship. You know, the beginning of Romans 12, you know, anytime you see the word in Scripture, therefore, somebody said, well, you need to figure out what it, what's it there for. You have to look back. So if you look at the first 11 chapters of Romans, it is Paul just saying, do you understand what Christ has done? Do you understand the grace and the mercy and the gift? And even right back in 11, he's talking to both the, the Jewish converts and the Gentile converts in the church at Rome, and he's saying, don't you understand, Gentiles, how God has grafted you in? 
And, and Jews, do you not understand how he's given himself for you, this righteousness that comes through faith, that comes through his sacrifice? And so you get to Romans 12, and it says, this makes sense. After all he's given to you, that you would give your life as a living sacrifice. Sacrifice for what? For the mission of God and the glory of God. You know, I, I was driving in this morning, and I'm like, ah, Powell's Chapel, we can get there. And I'm like, wait a minute, everything's changed. So I get my phone out and go, okay, I'm going to, Siri, help me. Uh, I mean, it has grown up everywhere around here. Crazy amount of homes, which means crazy amount of people, which means church. What are we doing to reach them? Because if I was going to tell you anything from my heart, you need to do whatever it takes to reach your neighbors. I, uh, I'm in this weird world. I mean, I am, I am not a young man anymore. I tell people I got more time in the rearview mirror than I do in the windshield. That's okay. God's taught me a bunch. But I live in the world of collegians. You know, my current job, uh, I'll try to weave all these stories together. My current job is I'm the senior director of Next Generation Mobilization for the North American Mission Board. So I recruit, train, and deploy college students to do mission activities in major cities across North America, which is so much fun. But it ain't my people group. You know, when I'm talking to collegians, they're like, do we call you professor or grandpa or... I'm like, Steve will be fine. But I tell them what I'm telling you. We do not have the option, as a follower of Christ, to be a missionary. Y'all do realize that, right? I grew up Southern Baptist. When I thought missionary, here's what I thought. It was somebody coming to my church that was in some country I'd never been to, who spoke some language I'd never spoken, who had a really awesome slideshow until it was boring. You know, you've been there. You've been in those services going, okay, the first 10 minutes was good, I'm out, I'm done. And so in my head, I started to believe, okay, that's a missionary. And it is. And I am so thankful for those ministries. But if you look up the word in a dictionary, missionary, one sent on a mission. If you look at Matthew 28, all of us who call Jesus Lord are commanded to go make disciples. Not optional. And yet in many of our churches, especially in the South, 
we've deemed that optional. Most of the students I send are from the South. Most of the places I send them to are definitely not in the South. And I tell them, I go, I'm a, it's going to mess you up. They're like, how different could it be? I go, okay. Last week I had a few students call me going, uh, we had a gun pulled on us today. I go, well, that's not good. Well, we were just, we were just prayer walking in this area of Denver. And this crazy guy came out of his house waving a gun. Said, I'm going to blow your heads off. I'm like, okay. No, that's not good. Can everybody still have their heads? Yes, we're good. Okay. Keep praying. Keep sharing. Told you it wasn't the South. I send students to Canada. And Canada's a whole different world. I mean, it's so post-Christian. They're not anti-Jesus. They just don't care. You start talking to them about the church or about Jesus, and they go, why, why should I care? But here's a secret. All around this church are people that don't care. You want to know something sadder? In many churches are people who don't care. Who do not look at Romans 12.1 with the gravity they need to. Which is my life as a living sacrifice. It, it is my worship. Sharing Jesus with other people. That is my worship. You are an ambassador for Christ. You are commanded to make disciples who make disciples. Not an option. I have been on a mission since 1992 when I started working with college students to get at least one generation to think, no, 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 no options. No options. How did I get to the North American Mission Board? Interesting Murfreesboro connection. When I was the college pastor at Bel Air, there was a young man there who was just, just God gifted. And I said, hey, come be my intern. And he did. I'll never forget. I was getting ready to leave. Nobody knew it. I was going to Columbia, South Carolina, to Shandon Baptist Church to be their first college pastor. And I said, let's go to lunch. There's this new place in town. It's called CC's. Praise God, we've come a long way since then. <laughs> We're sitting there eating our, you know, 400 slice of pizza. And I said, hey, Aaron, just one, give you a heads up. I'm going to resign on Sunday. And I think you ought to be the next college pastor. 
He said, I'm, I'm just a senior in college. I go, so? I go, here's what I believe about the Word of God, that God prepares us beforehand for what He's going to call us to do. That's just Bible. And you're ready. Aaron became the next college pastor at Bel Air. Aaron later went on to be a church planter in New York City. Aaron later went on to be the vice president at the North American Mission Board and one day called me up and said, Hey, I need you to help me start a new collegiate mission program. I'm like, oh, the phone's breaking up. And I'll never forget the first time he called, I said, uh, hey, Aaron, not interested. I said, my son's a senior in high school. I said, nah, ain't, ain't moving to Atlanta. I hate Atlanta. I said, there, there, there are too many cars there. Uh, I said, no. A year later, Aaron calls. Hey, your job's still here. I go, you didn't feel that? He goes, no, because I'm waiting on you. And I said, Aaron, told you, fresh out of new missions. And here's what he said. As only a young punk could say. Um, he said, that's not the college minister I need. I'm like, that is so unfair. Make me read the scripture I teach. So I go back to Romans 12, 1. I said, let me pray on it. He said, hey, Steve, do me a favor. We're doing this conference called the Send Conference. First time we've ever done it. It's in Dallas. Why don't you come? See what we're up to. And those of you who know me know that I'm cheap. And so my next words are, are you paying? He said, I'll get your flight booked. Your hotel's waiting. I said, all right, see you in Dallas. Get to Dallas. And I told Dawn, I said, hey, nothing, nothing to worry about here. Let me just go be nice to Aaron. First session, Aaron comes out on stage to introduce the, I guess, that's my boy. That's my boy. And he said, before we get started, I want to ask somebody, a friend of mine, to come lead us in worship. He's part of the Passion Band. His name's Brett Yonker. And I start weeping. Why? Because Brett Yonker was my intern in Columbia. And it was as if God was saying to me, hey, 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 there is no expiration date on new missions. You are just the clay. I am the potter. You are just a living sacrifice. Less of you more of me, just be obedient. 
never forget this. I was at Dallas Airport. I called Dawn. And Dawn's our prayer warrior. And Dawn answers the phone like this. Uh, we're going to Atlanta, aren't we? I'm like, uh, I think that's what God wants. Are you good with it? Nope. But what's that got to do with it? And so we left Shandon Baptist Church where I had been on staff 16 years. Dawn had been on staff 16 years. Her as preschool minister, me as uh, college, then young adult, modern worship. I, I mean, I had done everything there. And we moved to Woodstock, Georgia. Why? Because being a living sacrifice is just your pure God is a great teacher if you let him teach. Coming back here today when we drove in, I'm like, pretty much looks the same. And I could tell you story after story after story of being here, spending some time teaching the senior men over here because nobody else would teach them. <laughs> hey, we can't find a teacher for the senior adult class. I'll do it. There was a member of that class, Mr. Pete. Mr. Pete was married to Miss, Miss Nell. Miss Nell played the organ here. Mr. Pete was a piece of work. If you sat in Mr. Pete's chair, he'd say, hey, you're in my, you're in my chair. You're in my seat. And I'd say, no, he's serious. You need to move. <laughs> He's not being funny. No, he wants you to move out of his seat. I mean, we did our first big choir musical. Mr. Pete walks in, and we had some extra lighting and things, and Mr. Pete walks in and says, What is this, the Grand Old Opry? I love you, Mr. Pete. Oh, so many stories. But, but this was a place where I learned a couple of things. Push the mission, love the people. You know what y'all need to be at now? Love the people, push the mission. You got to do whatever it takes to reach your neighbors. You are here as living sacrifices to the glory of God and the fulfillment of His mission right here. And you can choose to be like over 90% of evangelical churches who are plateaued or dying. You can choose that fate. It won't feel weird because that's what everybody's doing. Or you can say, no, 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 not us. Because we are living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, because that is our worship. 
I want to see a miraculous revival break out at Powell's Chapel. I don't want to see the same number of people sitting in these pews as I did in 1992. Maybe less. That's up to you. Here's what I do know. It ain't hard. You drive two miles around this place, and I'm like, these, these houses weren't here when I was last here. But it is a sacrifice. It is that living sacrifice. I mean, occasionally I'll go to a worship service and go, I, I don't like the music. Okay, wait, it's not for me. Or I don't like this. Okay, not for me. It's not about me. Right? I'm a living sacrifice. Some of you my age and beyond, we just need to cash in for the next generation. I just want to be leveraged for the continuance of the mission. Think about your kids. Think about your grandkids. Because here's what I promise you. Barna Research just came out with a new study, brand new. Don read it to me this morning. The number one mission field now, guess where it is? The United States of America. I'm going to the Southern Baptist Convention as soon as we finish. In fact, I'm late. I just got a text a few minutes ago. Where are you? Um, uh, Todd told me to tell him I'm looking for parking. Uh, which by the way everybody here needs to own a parking garage in Nashville because you will get rich really quick I saw the parking fee and I'm like this can't be accurate $50 a day to park in downtown Nashville but it is accurate because cheap Steve tried to find a cheaper place anyway I digress Please, don't let this opportunity pass you by. Whatever it takes, the gospel. Some of you notice about me um, that I have a slightly different voice. It's not seasonal allergies. This is me all the time. I'm not trying to impersonate Bill Clinton. It just is what it is. In 2014, after we moved to Atlanta, I started getting hoarse. And I went to doctor after doctor after doctor going, hey, 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 I'm a worship dude. Like, I have this big, bold voice. What's happening? We don't know. Take this pill. Take this pill. It's not helping. I'm teaching a class at First Baptist Church, Woodstock, Georgia, and somebody comes up to me after class and says, hey, what's up with your voice? I go, ah. Well, why don't you come see my doctor? Like, I've seen lots of doctors. You haven't seen my doctor. What's so special about your doctor? Well, 
my doctor is the doctor for all the vocal stars of Atlanta. My doctor is Usher's doctor. My doctor is Bieber's doctor. He is the vocal guru of the South. Sign me up. Can I have Usher's voice? Let's just get a transplant. So I go to see Dr. K, as he's known. And five minutes into the, to the visit, he says, you have vocal cord atrophy. I go, what, is, what is that, and how do we get rid of it? He said, well, we don't know why people get it. Could be a virus. Could be just the fact that you used to pound on your voice and you quit. I go, so overuse? He goes, no, actually, lack of use. I go, really? He goes, we, we don't know. He said, but here's the good thing. We can do this surgical procedure that fixes this for 90% of the people. I said, let's do it. I've done it four times. Welcome to the 10%. But you know how good that has been for me, spiritually? For God to tell a worship guy, ain't about your voice. Romans 12, 1, Steve, ain't about the voice. If you don't sing another note, it has nothing to do with your ability to worship. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of the living God, to give your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your worship. And so I live now with this broken voice. As a reminder, it's not about the music. I live with this broken voice knowing that just speaking here is a gift from God. And that this afternoon I'll need a nap because of the effort it takes to speak. And it's glorious. Somebody asked me the other day, what happens if you go mute? I go, I start writing. My worship will not be silenced until I stand before him face to face. I'm at that age where I'm, I'm, I'm looking at retirement and yet knowing that is incompatible with my call to be on mission. I love college students. And I'm like, God, just keep giving me another day develop, developing and deploying them into the mission field. I get chances to speak to people like you and say, please don't miss this chance. Please. 
I would love to get a report a year from now going, you will not believe what God is doing. At how we're reaching people. About how we're baptizing. Because we decided collectively and individually to be men and women who gave themselves as living sacrifices. One of the greatest blessings of my life is really being able to take a map or a globe and just throw, throw pins at it, throw darts at it, and go, hey, you know so-and-so who we had a chance to be with is there, or there, or there, or there. That's awesome. But I don't want Powell's Chapel to miss it. You don't want to miss it. But that's up to you. For those of you my age and above, it, it does mean we're going to have to lay down some of our preferences and traditions. At my church, we have two different worship services. A fairly traditional service and a definitely not traditional service. I used to lead the definitely not traditional service. But most of the time now, I'm in the traditional service. They'll go, hey, have you changed your, your opinion on music? And I go, no. I go, what's music got to do with it? I go, are we worshiping God? I'm in. I said, but that younger generation, they deserve to hear Jesus in their language. Even if it's not my language. And you know what? If somebody needs to adapt, it's me. I said, why am I at the traditional service? So I can love on you guys and get you to move with me. Come on. I said, I'm music agnostic. <laughs> I said, but here's what I'm not. The older I get, the earlier I get up. So actually, I'm just looking for the first service I can go to. <laughs> As I close, thank you for the investment you made in us as a family that helped deploy us. And the deployment's not over. I told Don on the drive over, over here, I said, how come I get the feeling that the rest of 21 and 22 is going to be the beginning of a new adventure? There's a ton of things swirling in my life right now. Um, and I can honestly say none are good. But God's in them all. And as we're praying, it's like, hey God, we're just living sacrifices. We're just lumps of clay. You're the potter. But here's what we do know, right out of Colossians. Christ in us, that's the hope of glory. So God, as, you, as long as we can continue to be poured out, pour us out. Not our will, but thy will. That's my prayer for you. But at the end of the day, is Jesus going to be your Lord or just your 
advisor. Let's pray. Father, thank